Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Got some news for you regarding the Fiesta Bowl. In segment three, LeBron James says something that I'm not going to say is stupid, but uh, very questionable at best, in my opinion. Griggs and I will discuss that in segment three. Then in segment four, we talk to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. We've got one of them this week. Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, just pulled off a huge broadcast and media rights deal with ESPN and Fox, they'll be launching a 24-7 network. We'll break that all down with the man who made the deal, Larry Scott, Pac-12 commissioner, coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Look for the Facebook or the Twitter widgets on the front page of our site. Become our Facebook friend. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. Brian Griggs joins me in studio. Griggs, playoffs are getting better and better. The Heat, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, super friends, they move on. They beat Boston. Um, That's good news for TV ratings for ABC, ESPN, and TNT. Definitely is, and uh, at, at the beginning of the playoffs, I wasn't really sure if Miami would do that, but they are clicking at the right time, and they pretty much manhandled Boston in that series. And because Boston and the Lakers are now out, it's even more important that the marquee markets and teams like Chicago, like Miami, are in the mix. All right, headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Headline number one. A BCS committee this week ruled that the Fiesta Bowl can keep its BCS status, but it's going to be fined a million dollars for financial improprieties and for allowing employees to make illegal campaign contributions. BCS Executive Director Bill Hancock, a guest on this show, said that the Fiesta Bowl would have to adhere to a number of other sanctions, including dismissing any and all board members who participated or had knowledge of wrongdoing at the bowl. I don't think they're going to have anyone left, Griggs. I think uh, all the people that were at the strip clubs and making illegal campaign contributions, uh, they might be starting from scratch when rebuilding the brand of the Fiesta Bowl as far as the business administration goes. Yeah, I was going to say, I think most, if not all of them, were involved in some way or knew something about it because yeah, that's how they, they try to keep things on the down low. they got to tell more than one person because, you know, otherwise they're just... Uh, one guy's going to blow it. You know that's going to happen. So anyways, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good decision. I think uh, something had to be done. I think it shows that, you know, the BCS is like, okay, we want to get on top of this. We don't want it to happen down the road further. A million dollars is a pretty good slap. I mean, See, for I, you and me. I, well, for you and me it is. <laughs> but for this bowl, no, you know, yeah. I agree with Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports who we had on to talk about uh, his book, Death to the BCS. He tweeted out this week, it's a slap on the wrist. I don't think it's very much at all. True. Um, that $1 million, it's not going to go to the BCS. It's going to go to a local Arizona charity. So that's good news. Imagine all the submissions they're getting for, hey, give the million dollars to us, please. But the BCS is also requiring the bowl to find a new outside auditor or find a new supervisory partner at the existing audit firm. So I think we're going to see not only this ruling affect the Fiesta Bowl, it's going to affect all the bowls that are associated with the BCS. The BCS has learned, you know what, especially after this book, Death to the BCS, you know, these bowls are saying they're nonprofits. And we see there's a lot of CEOs who are running a once a year game getting rich. So I think the BCS is like, you know what, we better pay better attention to this before this happens with another bowl. So we'll try and make an example of the Fiesta Bowl. But we'll still allow them to be a BCS bowl, and we're going to try and clean up some of the other bowls in the process. I think it's going to be a lot of work, but uh, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. And and like I said, it's something that has to be done with the whole, you know, everything's talking about the playoffs, paying the college players, paying the universities, college football is not a business. I think this is a good step uh, showing that, hey, we're, we're we're after these guys, we're looking into stuff, there's going to be penalties. All right, if you're a fan of watching college sports, and in pro sports too, like I am, This is a big story to me. No, it's not the Pac-12 deal, and Larry Scott's going to talk to us about that in segment four. Gus Johnson, who I think is like the most exciting play-by-play announcer out there. He's the guy who has the heart-stopping calls at the end of March Madness. Well, there's good news and bad news to this story. I'll give you the bad news first. You won't hear Gus Johnson on CBS during March Madness anymore. So no more exciting calls at the end of NCAA tournament games. That stinks. The good news is he's going to be the lead announcer for Fox when it comes to college football and when it comes to Pac-12. He's also going to do NFL games for Fox. I think he's great. I mean, I've always said about Gus Johnson, he could make grocery shopping play-by-play 
sound exciting. I mean, this is a guy that he just knows how to make a game exciting, and you always hope that the game he's calling comes down to the end of the game so you can hear him give one of those heart-stopping calls. See, and I think that's what's going to make it great for, for football because football is so up and down throughout the whole game. He's going to have calls throughout the whole game. Basketball, you know, is great, but it comes down to that last shot a lot of times. Football, I mean, there's an interception, there's a punt return, especially in college game. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that big time. So Fox offered him a contract. CBS declined to match. I mean, Gus Johnson wanted to be the lead announcer at CBS, especially for March Madness. A lot of people wanted him to sit in the seat that Jim Nance sits in now. But Jim Nance does Masters. He does the Final Four. They weren't going to unseat Jim Nance. And Gus Johnson had kind of reached his ceiling with CBS. So now he moves on to Fox. Check this story out. The NCAA in October paid $17.2 million to sports and entertainment marketer Intersport to stop using the term March Madness, which has been attached to the NCAA's Division I men's basketball tournaments since the 1980s. The settlement gives the NCAA sole ownership of a trademark that has been the subject of several legal disputes and challenges over the years. Griggs, if we could just think of some popular term and then trademark it, maybe we could get $17 million someday. You know, we were talking about that before we uh, got on the air here, and I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, who's the guy, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, who came up with the March Madness, you know, slogan, and now people are buying it, they're buying it for $17 million. Unbelievable. Well, so Intersport was smart. They took out the original trademark more than two decades ago, but reached an agreement with the Illinois High School Association in the early 90s in which it accepted a limited license to the phrase in exchange for a share of royalties. That was a good deal. Intersport was mostly using March Madness in programming for mobile devices. Wow, Intersport, give them credit. They get $17 million out of this. They trademarked this in the 90s after it had been originally developed in the 80s, and now they're getting paid big, big money. All right, we talk all the time about the lockout and how is it going to affect owners and how is it going to affect players. Well, our next headline is the Miami Dolphins announced this week that they are cutting back people's salaries effective immediately, even though we haven't missed games. Check this out. Stephen Ross, who's the owner of the Dolphins, not in good standing with his employees, instituted the following this week. Any employee making more than $75,000 will face a 20% pay cut. Those making below $75,000 face a 15% pay cut. And anyone below $50,000 will be hit with a 10% pay cut. Griggs, to say that morale around the office after this meeting... Uh, was low would be an understatement. Now, if the lockout ends, and it's going to end eventually, and these employees are still there, they will be returned to what their salary was. But during the lockout, they have their salary slashed. Fair or unfair? It's a good question, and uh, I think it's just, it ha- it happens. I mean, it just has to happen sometimes when you've got that in- uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen. And when there's that much money involved, and you have you know a whole organization full of of people and employees, something that has to be done. And like you said, uh, when the lockout ends and they get back to playing football, they're going to get that back if they stick it out. Our next headline, did you see Lakers center Andrew Bynum deck Dallas guard J.J. Barea in Los Angeles' final playoff game when they were routed by the Mavericks and eliminated in four games? Well, the NBA announced a five-game suspension for Bynum following that. 
They also said that he's going to be fined $25,000 for removing his jersey and the manner in which he left the court. Griggs, overall, the infraction is going to cost him $702,000. I don't think it's enough. The $25,000 fine, that's like five bucks to you and me. I mean, the guy's making, what, $13, $14 million a year. So $25,000, he's putting rims on his car that cost $25,000. And I get the five-game suspension, but I think it should have been 10. It was totally premeditated that he was going to do that. As soon as he did it, he didn't look at anyone. He turned around, he walked towards the tunnel, he took his jersey off, and he knew he was going to be thrown out of the game. Yeah, ridiculous. And like you said, I mean, you, you can tell it when the even when you saw the replay, it's like he had this planned. I mean, it's like he knew he was going to take out Brea and uh, terrible sight and terrible. I love how he left the court. Like you said, he's just like, I'm out of here. He knew he was gone. So right. Just, let's just take off my uniform and get out of here. Well, and do you see there were like security from the arena <laughs> yeah. in front of him yeah. as he walked by the Dallas bench? <laughs> but you got to give Dallas some credit. Look, if they go toe to toe with him and someone takes a swing at him, they're just going to be suspended for the Western Conference Finals. Quick note Miami Heat president Pat Riley, Chicago Bulls general manager Gar Foreman, the co recipients of the NBA Executive of the Year Award for engineering overhauls that have so far propelled their teams deep into the Eastern Conference playoffs. We know the Heat are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Congratulations to them. Frankly, I think Riley should have gotten it by himself. If you get LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh to all take a pay cut and come play on your team, that's a once-in-a-lifetime summer. I think he should have had that award by himself. No offense, Gar Foreman. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about LeBron James. He said something this week that really caught my attention, and we'll talk about that next. Larry Scott coming up in segment four. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Two superstar athletes making headlines this week. Let's start with LeBron James. July 8th, 2010, he has the decision to announce that he's leaving Cleveland to go play for the Miami Heat. And as I've said all along, I don't fault LeBron for leaving Cleveland to go play for Miami, where he thought he could win some rings and go team with other star players, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. But the way he did it, the decision, was not the way to handle it. And stabbing the city of Cleveland in the back in the process. Griggs, this week, LeBron got rid of a big nightmare. And that nightmare has been the Boston Celtics. He's never been able to get past them. Dwayne Wade has had a hard time getting past them. But they joined forces. 
They do it together. They win four games to one. LeBron comes up big in the fifth game. He made big shots. He had a 10-0 run by himself to seal the deal and get by Boston. At the end of that game, you watch LeBron and Dwayne Wade on the court, you would have thought they just won the NBA championship. I don't know how much I like that. It's like act like you've been there before, even though you really haven't. I mean, LeBron's been to the finals. Dwayne Wade has been to the finals. I know this is emotional. And at the post-game press conference, LeBron, who gave plenty of credit to the Boston Celtics, and I like that, and he should have, issued a long-awaited apology. Listen. Just like I said, I went through a lot deciding to be here and the way it you know, panned out with all the friends and the family and the, and the fans back home. And I apologize for the, you know, the, way it, the way it happened. But I knew that this opportunity was once in a lifetime. What? Let's go back in time. July 8th, 2010. LeBron is talking about taking his talents to South Beach. He's dressed in his little checkered shirt. He's sitting down with Jim Gray. And it's all about LeBron. He doesn't care who's in his wake, who he's hurting. But now, after he beats Boston, he's feeling pretty validated at this point for his decision, Griggs. He issues this apology. To me, this is like the guy who broke up with his girlfriend and now he is happier with another woman. And he goes back to his old girlfriend. He says, you know what? I handled that breakup poorly. I'm happy now with my new girlfriend. So let me just tell you, I'm sorry. I apologize for how I handled that breakup. And the old girlfriend's like, you know what? Are you just pouring salt in the wound? Are you like bragging that you're happier now in your new place with your new girlfriend? That to me, you know, maybe I'm overanalyzing this, but I thought that the way he handled that, it's almost rubbing more salt in the wound for Cleveland fans because, oh my gosh, look at LeBron having success. He could have been doing that in our uniform. Yeah, and I think, uh, like you said, it was, it was a big stage for him. He had a great game. You know, they just won the series. He knows he's got his, his team behind him. He's got the, the city of Miami behind him, and he's like, this is the opportunity to do it. Exactly what you're saying about the girlfriend. It's like, here's some salt, deet, 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 and ouch. I just, I don't get the timing of him coming out with that. Like, if you were going to apologize, you should have done it a few days or a few weeks after July 8th of 2010. To come out on May 11th of 2011 and go, hey, guess what? You know what? I'm sitting here reflecting at this press conference. Uh, We just beat Boston. All the Cleveland fans know I'm validated. We wouldn't have beat Boston if I stayed in Cleveland. But now that I'm in Miami and I joined forces with D-Wade and and Chris Bosh, I'm going to apologize. And if he goes on and wins a title, he'll probably apologize Again, you knew at some point he was going to reflect whether it was when he was 40 or 50 or 60 years old and go, you know what, that was really stupid how I handled that. But it happened nine months later. He didn't go into great detail when he talked about this. But I don't know. It just didn't feel, it felt out of place in that press conference. And what's the statute of limitations on apologies, Griggs? I mean, can you come back like 20 years later, I guess, and say, hey, Sorry for that. Sorry for the way I screwed you over on that and how I rubbed the salt in the wound and had a big TV special to tell you I was uh, leaving you. Maybe he should have another TV special when he's about 80. 
called The Apology, hosted by Jim Gray. <laughs> See what happens then. Yeah, Jim Gray, I don't think, will be around yeah, Probably then. not. We hope not. I mean, what? He'll, he'll probably be banned by yeah. uh, the FCC and, and <laughs> other entities, but we won't go down that road. The other big story this week, and this is such bad news for the PGA, Tiger Woods withdraws from the Players' Championship. First round. Griggs, he shoots a 42 on the front nine. You and I, I mean, we're not very good golfers, but, you know, I've shot a 42, not on a course like the Players' Championship, but I've had a 42 in my time. And sure. it's not Tiger Woods-esque to shoot a 42 during nine holes. Now, he walks off the course and he talks about pain to his knee, which he's already had surgery on, pain to his Achilles. I'll tell you, he's feeling the most pain right now. Tim Fincham, the commissioner of golf. This is bad news, and it's not like Tiger's been lighting up, winning a lot of tournaments, but here's why this is bad news for the PGA. Their TV deal with their networks expires at the end of this year. If Tiger Woods is out for the season, if he's out for a long, uh, lengthy amount of time, boy, how much leverage do you think Tim Fincham's going to have when he sits down at the table with the networks? Hey, uh, you know, I know Tiger hasn't won a tournament now in two years. Uh, I know he missed this entire season. But we'd like to ask you for more money than we got the last time around. Uh, Tim, have you seen the ratings in the last two years since Tiger's not won a tournament? They've gone down sharply. Uh, We were actually going to come to you and say that you're going to need to take a reduction in pay. Talk to the Miami Dolphins employees. And uh, we're not going to pay you as much as we did for the last deal because the ratings, they just haven't been as good as they were during the heyday of Tiger Woods when he was winning the Masters and winning majors and people were interested in seeing him chase Jack Nicklaus. He's not chasing majors right now. He's just chasing a win. The guy hasn't won in a year and a half now. Now he's injured. You know, Griggs, there were some people this week that were talking about, is Tiger Woods done? I don't know. I think we have to see how serious his injuries are. But the thing about golf is, obviously, it's a mental game. And since Tiger had his uh, controversial time, let's call it, he hasn't won a tournament. To me, that's not a coincidence because his mind is not strictly on golf. He's had a lot going on in his life off the course. Now, at 35, if his body's starting to break down, his knee his Achilles. I mean, this isn't like, you know, I've got a, a hangnail or something like that, or I've got a sore arm or elbow, or this is a major injury that if you play golf, you need to have decent knees and you've got to have a good Achilles. And if you don't, mm, your career's not going to be that long. If I'm Tim Fincham and the PGA, I'm extremely concerned about Tiger Woods walking off the course after nine holes this week. Yeah, I think that's something that hurts a little bit too for the PGA is. We saw how Tigers finished the Masters, and he had some momentum. He actually, you know, I mean, I'm sure that the the crowd and everybody started getting into it. The TV viewers got more into it because he was kind of ramping up. And I think that we were all looking forward to the players. So Tigers starting to click. He's coming back, and then first nine holes, he's gone. So that I think that's another ouch, too, because I think the momentum was with Tiger until he started uh, hitting this week. And here's the thing about Tiger Woods is your mom, your grandma, your brother and sister. Tiger Woods is a household name. If you're cutting the lawn on Sunday, hey, Tiger's in the mix. You know what? I'll cut the lawn later. I'm coming inside. I'm going to go see what Tiger does. Is he going to win this tournament? 
You're not doing that for Bubba Watson. You're not doing it for Ricky Fowler. You're not doing it for Rory McIlroy. Maybe you're doing it for Phil Mickelson. But Tiger Woods is a polarizing figure. He's a household name. He gets people, mainly the casual fan, to engage when he's in the mix. If he's not in the mix, and if he's not even playing because he's hurt, boy, that is bad, bad news for the PGA, not only at the event with ticket sales. I mean, I got five press releases this week saying, Tiger, making his return at the Players' Championship. I didn't get any press releases after he withdrew, though. And the TV ratings with the majors coming up, the U.S. Open, the British Open, the PGA Championship, people want to see Tiger playing especially in those events because they want to see, is he going to move closer and closer to Jack Nicklaus's record of 18 major titles? If he's not playing, it's kind of like, you know what, I'll tune in for a few minutes here and there and see who's on the leaderboard, but... You're just not as drawn to those events as you are if Tiger Woods is playing in them. Totally. And even if people you know, disagree with the things he's done in his past, people want to see him play golf. I mean, and I find myself rooting for him, too. You know, And maybe I disagree with his past and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm watching the Masters there at the end, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm rooting for Tiger to come back and win this thing. Well, I think even more people are watching since this controversy because the person who reads People magazine and watches Entertainment Tonight now knows who Tiger Woods is, and they're following him. Coming up next, Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, one of the rising stars in the sports world, just did an amazing broadcast and digital rights deal for the Pac-12. We're going to discuss that with Larry Scott next. We talk to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Larry Scott. He's the commissioner of the Pac-12. Larry, how are you? Doing great today, thanks. Congratulations on a big week for you last week. I noticed when you came to the podium for the press conference to announce the Pac-12's new broadcast and digital rights deal, the only item that you were holding was an iPad. And I just thought that was so fitting for a guy like you who's into technology. You're based in the Silicon Valley. How much has your relationship with Apple and Google helped you better understand how your digital content might be distributed best in the future? 
Oh, it's been great to have access to some of the leaders of uh, technology companies out here, many of whom are alumni of Pac-10 schools. So I spent a lot of time uh, trying to understand the future as well as the current media landscape. Um, obviously, you know, we're used to dealing with the ESPN Foxes versus and all that, but there's tremendous change happening in, in distribution and technology. And especially when you think about a long-term deal like we've just struck, you know, my goal is to make sure you know, we've got the leading and best media agreements five years from now, 10 years from now, not just you know, in 2012. So that, those discussions have really informed our strategy, have informed the reason for holding back valuable rights to create the Pac-12 network, Pac-12 digital network, and we're going to be very focused on how we serve our content and our games and information to our fans who here on the West Coast are very mobile and very tech-savvy. Yeah, starting in 2012, every football and men's basketball game is going to be televised on either ESPN, Fox Sports, or the new Pac-12 network. You know, I remember when I talked to you last year, you talked about the challenge of getting people on the East Coast to notice, even to the point where you took some of your football coaches on a press tour out in New York City to make the media more familiar with them. This deal's got to help your exposure to the East Coast and the other people around the country, right? Certainly will. One of our requirements in the deal going forward was that our broadcast platforms would be national, not just regional. So that's going to be a big departure from the way our games are structured currently. And in football, certainly with national games on ESPN, uh, but our ABC games tend to be mostly regionalized to the West Coast. So East Coast fans aren't seeing some of our best games. Uh, Fox Sportsnet covers a lot of the country, but there are some territories where they get blacked out or they don't get coverage. So that's been a concern for some of our fans. And going forward in football, between ABC Broadcast Network and Fox Broadcast Network, all those will be fully distributed nationally, 100% of the country and then we'll be on ESPN Family and Fox, uh, Fox's FX channel, which is a 100% nationally distributed entertainment network. And in basketball, similarly, we're going to be on the ESPN Family of Networks. We'll still have 22 games on FSN, but we're going to have the Pac-12 network, which we expect to be available nationally, covering a lot of the football and basketball as well. So it's going to be a real difference maker. Let's talk about the draft. There's a draft, as I understand it. ESPN Fox have the right to 44 football games a season. Pac-12 Network gets the rights to 36 football games. Explain how this draft process works and when it's going to take place. Yeah, it's not uncomplicated because basically you have three media entities dividing up our 80 football games and then, you know, 170-plus basketball games. So week by week, we've decided of the three entities, ESPN, Fox, and Pac-12 networks, you know, who gets the first pick in any given week. So the Pac-12 network will get the first pick in two, in two weeks, for example. ESPN and Fox will divide up uh, the, the other 10 weeks. Um, then the second pick goes in any given week, and the Pac-12 network gets certain second picks, and the ESPN and Fox gets certain second picks, so on and so forth. Same is true in basketball. And in that way, we can ensure the Pac-12 network gets a certain quality in, in addition to quantity of uh, great football and basketball games, and the ESPN and Fox get what they need. Yeah, it's interesting. I look at the NFL network and the Big Ten network, and they struggled with distribution from the get-go. And I think because you're holding back some of your best games for the Pac-12 network, don't you think that will help you with distribution from the get-go? 
That's exactly right. That, that's why we've done it that way. Um, we learned from the Big Ten's experience. They did a lot of things in a, in a great way. Uh, but if they had to do it over again, I suspect they'd put higher quality football and basketball on their network to make their um, package more appealing to distributors and kind of cut down some of that you know, period that they had a fight for distribution and they were off air. So between that and us bundling more digital rights into our offering, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of conversations with distributors. We expect that to go more smoothly. Joined by Larry Scott, he's the commissioner of the Pac-12. Larry, how much did Fox losing the Los Angeles Lakers affect the leverage you had with providing them with compelling sports content that could fit into their schedule? Because that was a gaping hole for them, and it looks like you were in a position of terrific leverage and timing. Yeah, our timing was great. I mean, there's no question about that. I'd like to think we did some things very well, but we were certainly very fortunate as well. Uh, you know, certainly uh, Time Warner getting involved with the Lakers uh, in L.A., uh, the NBC Comcast merger happening, and them successfully bidding for uh, the NHL rights, outbidding ESPN, uh, the Googles and Apples of the world, and Hulu's starting to you know acquire content. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on the distribution system, and uh, these networks are trying to defend their territory. And because ESPN and Fox are real leaders in the college sports landscape, they wanted to be very aggressive to maintain the position they have and felt the Pac-12 was a very coveted property, so much so that I think they realized during the process that each on their own wasn't going to be the successful bidder. We had more attractive options, and so they decided to come together in a pretty unprecedented way to acquire our rights as a package. When the NCAA did their deal with CBS for the Men's Division One Basketball Championship before their most recent deal, they included an opt-out about halfway through the deal. Is there any kind of an opt-out in your deal with ESPN and Fox, or are you bound to them for the next 12 years? Oh, no, we're bound together. And, uh, you know, giving them that length of contract was a very important component to them as they try to, you know, preserve their position in college sports and in the distribution world. Um, but we do have the ability to uh, expand and grow. There are some flexibilities built into the contract if uh, the nature of our conference changes. So, for instance, if you added other teams to the conference, maybe there's a revenue bump, right? Correct. We have that uh, possibility. So several of the Pac-12 schools are going to need to buy their way out of their current media rights contracts. For example, the University of Oregon has a deal with IMG. Oregon State has a deal with Learfield. How much consideration were those fees given when negotiating this new deal? Uh, Absolutely. They were front of mind. Um, Other conferences have been through the same thing. So the amount of money that we are generating for the schools um, is uh, on a gross basis. There will be certain costs associated with cobbling together some of the rights that have uh, otherwise been sold or represented by local multimedia rights holders. So there's certainly going to be some costs against this, uh, but uh, you know, pretty small in the total scheme of things. Sure, but are, you know, give us an idea. Are we talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars, you think, to buy out of these, or are we talking millions of dollars? Um, I, you know, It's hard to say exactly. We're just at the beginning of getting into that process right now. So they're not, they're not insignificant, but as a percentage of the revenue that's going to be coming to the sure. school, it's very small. Yeah, I mean, each school is going to take in an average of $21 million during this 12-year deal. As commissioner of the Pac-12, and, and you've already proven to be such a visionary for the conference, how would you like to see the schools spend this money that they're receiving from this deal? Well, you know, every school is in a different situation. Um, most people don't realize that... Uh, 
many of our schools have debts to the university um, that should be repaid. Um, various schools are running at a deficit. And I think the idea that our athletics departments can be self-sustaining financially going forward is very appealing, especially at a time with such economic pressure on universities and decreased public funding for higher education. The fact that you know, vital university resources want us to be drained from the university at large to prop up athletics is very compelling and I hope resonates well throughout campuses. Beyond that, what I'd say is, you know, the facilities in the, in the Pac-10 have been behind uh, other peer conferences and our athletics directors have been, you know, very aggressive about developing plans and those needed funds there. Um, so there's, there's a variety of, of needs, but every campus is a little different, and these decisions are best made by the university presidents with their athletic department leadership. Larry, people see so much money being spent in college athletics. This deal's case in point. We see coaches being paid lots and lots of money. Explain to our audience how many of the athletic departments, as you were just mentioning, they strive to break even or just make a little bit of money. It's not like they're raking in money because they've got to pay for the other sports, right? Well, that, that's in a nutshell. People tend to focus on football and basketball, but you know, most schools in the back. 12 average over 20 sports that they're supporting, yet there's only one or two sports making money. I mean, football is the only sport making money at every school. Basketball makes money at most schools, yet you're supporting these sports and teams. We've got, just to put this in perspective, we've got 6,000 student athletes participating um, in sports across the the Pac-10 currently, approximately 250 teams. That is very expensive, and that's because, you know, philosophy of our schools is a broad-based commitment of sports sponsorship. There's other conferences out there where on average they might only sponsor 15, 16, 17 uh, teams, and there's not as much of it as a financial pressure. So it comes down to the philosophy of this conference, which is a great one, which is, you know, we're supporting a lot of student-athlete opportunity. Yeah, the other winners, I think, here besides the the football and basketball players who get more exposure and the coaches who get more exposure is, I think, kind of those secondary sports, women's sports. But then also, you know, it looks like on Pac-12 TV network, we're going to see maybe some Olympic sports and some baseball and some uh, tennis and softball. And I think those athletes will finally get some recognition as well, right? Absolutely. That was a very important goal for us. Um, You know, the Pac-12 is known for... It's success in Olympic sports. There are more NCAA titles that have been won in this conference than any other by far. Uh, We put more Olympians out of this conference than any other, yet we've had scant exposure for the Olympic sports. One of the things that will certainly make me happiest is when we get our Pac-12 network up and running and digital network up and running to see hundreds of Olympic sports uh, games and matches broadcast and have family, friends, fans from across the country be able to see how prolific our athletes are. When do you start ramping up hiring people for your network? Do you have any idea where you're going to base it from, who your partners are going to be, things like that? Over the next couple of months, we're really going to concentrate on strategic partnerships with uh, uh, networks, production uh, uh, companies, and or distributors directly. Uh, that's our primary focus uh, striking key strategic partnerships, then actual hiring of staff, location of facilities, specific distribution conversations probably won't happen toward near the end of the year. Last question for you. You were hired in large part because you're an outside-the-box thinker. You're aggressive. You've proven to be that on the job. Uh, Since you become commissioner, you've added two teams to the conference. You've added a championship game for football. Now you've orchestrated this huge 
broadcast and digital rights deal. All right, Larry, what's next on your list? What are you going to conquer next? Well, we got a lot on our to-do list to make sure what we've uh, done over the last several months works well. So certainly a very full to-do list in terms of getting our network and digital network up and running, having a successful football championship game. But next is really figuring out our basketball tournament, which has been in L.A. for about 10 years. And we're going to go through a process to talk to different cities throughout our footprint and ultimately decide do we keep it in L.A. or, or move it to other cities. And then beyond that, we've got our site set uh, international development of the conference, and particularly Asia probably is the first priority. Given our universities are the most prominent you know, on the, on the West Coast here, uh, the gateway to the Pacific Rim, we see sports and Pac-12 athletics as a great opportunity to build the profile and exposure for our universities more broadly and help with the institutional goals that our presidents and chancellors have for development of their schools. Uh, internationally. I spent you know, about 20 years in pro tennis internationally and realized there's tremendous opportunity for us uh, in Asia and other international markets. Interesting, because, yeah, you're right. There is a proximity of the Pacific Coast to Asia. And I look at what some leagues have done. I mean, you at the WTA, but the NBA and other leagues who have successfully uh, promoted their brand in Asia. And it's such a fertile territory. Do you ever see the day where maybe you're doing broadcast and digital rights deals with international entities in China or Japan or other countries like that? I do. That's uh, that's our vision. We uh, we hope to get there. It'll take some time. That's more medium to long range goal, but it's something that's achievable in my view. Larry, thank you so much for your time. I think you've done a fantastic job and uh, congratulations on the big deal this past week. Thanks very much. That's Larry Scott, Pac-12 Commissioner. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. The Washington Wizards this week unveiled their new red, white, and blue uniforms with two new secondary marks and an updated primary logo. Wizards' new design links the team's look with the old Bullets uniforms before late owner Abe Poland changed the team's name and colors in 1997, and he opened the team's downtown D.C. arena. 
Tell you what, I was always a big fan of the Bullets uniforms with Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes and Kevin Grevy, and they were winning championships back in the 70s. I love these new unis. Nine times out of ten, I love the throwback uniforms. Uh, NFL, anything. I love throwback uniforms because it's cool. People remember it. Fans tie to it. Like, oh, I remember watching that with my dad. I remember seeing those it's uniforms. It's old school. It's great. Yeah, it's totally old school. I think it's brilliant. So on the home uniform, it has Wizards on the front. On the away, it's got Washington on the front. I think Ted Leontis, who's been on the show, is a really bright guy. And he had been building up to this rebrand and to these uniform rebrands. And uh, it's cool to see him come out this week. I think they're going to be a hot seller. I mean, I think the John Wall uniform, he was a top 10 uniform last year. I think he moves up and the jerseys are sweet. If there's anyone who works for the Wizards that uh, listens to this show, send me a Wizards jersey. Send me and B. Grizzle. Uh, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I don't rock jerseys really, but I'd rock a, a sweatshirt or, you know, something. I, I think it'd be sweet to have a hoodie in these colors. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I love the away jersey as a hoodie with the red, white, and blue with the Washington on the front. I, I would totally wear that. Yeah, I'm feeling that. I could kick that or uh, a hat would be cool. I'm a hat guy. Yeah, I wear hats yeah, too, but yeah. if the hat has too much going on. Yeah, that's true. I almost think there's too much going yeah. on on that hat. It's true. Good point. Let's go with the hoodie. And it'd be great to wear. I mean, think about you could wear your Washington Wizards uniform on the 4th of July. I mean, <laughs> there you, you, are, you are totally in uniform <laughs> on the 4th of July if you've got that hat or if you've got your sweatshirt or your uniform on. So the Wizards, I like it. Larry Scott, thank you to him for joining us, the commissioner of the Pac-12. Great insight from him. What a brilliant guy. Guy is a total visionary. Enjoy talking to him. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Patrick O'Neill, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our show podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd really appreciate it if you post a review of our podcast on the iTunes page. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio.